Hey folks, if you've been tuning in over the last couple months, you've heard all about the GameTime app and how it can save you some serious cash on last-minute tickets to sports, concerts, and all types of shows. The GameTime app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. Well, now GameTime is hooking you up for the holidays with $10 in credit. Here's what you'll need to do. Download the GameTime app in the Google Play or App Store. Click on the My Ticket section of the app, create an account, then under the billing section, redeem the code VATHLETIC. No spaces, VATHLETIC. Once again, it's VATHLETIC, all one word, for $10 off your first purchase. That's free money, people. Credit is only available to the first 1,000 people who use the redeem code, and it expires at the end of the year. That's December 31st, 2019. So make moves quick and score last-minute tickets. Go, man. Tear it off, dude. You're listening to Here's the Catch with David Lombardi, Matt Barrows, and Dennis Brown on the Athletic Podcast Network. I thought they had a real good game plan. Um, their guys played real hard and schematically they did a real good job. And uh, we had a number of opportunities, came up a little bit short on a few. Um, I know we're going to watch the tape. There's going to be a number of plays we'd like to have back. Um, but take my hat off to those guys. They played hard and they had a real good plan. Well, somebody took to Twitter and said that it was possibly the most depressing day in Bay Area sports history <laughs> because you had, you know, within a three-hour window, Madison Bumgarner sign with the Arizona Diamondbacks. You had the Oakland Raiders blow their final game in Oakland. And then you had the 49ers give one away at the end to a four-win Atlanta Falcons team. And that's the game that we covered. The final score was 29-22 Atlanta, but it was a little bit closer than that. Came down to about two inches. Julio Jones scored the winning touchdown with two seconds left. And it was really an odd game. You don't see it very often where both sidelines at different points think that they have won the game. But the 49ers started going out to midfield. They were celebrating because they thought that Jimmy Ward had stopped Julio Jones short. The officials look at the replay, and he had definitely broken the plane. They made that call right. So then the Falcons celebrated because they took the 23-22 lead, and then there was a meaningless touchdown there at the end, at least as far as uh, the win and the loss was concerned on the special teams play after. So the Falcons won by seven. So a lot to unpack today, guys, but the 49ers were not good on offense. They were not the juggernaut that we've seen earlier this season defensively. Obviously, a lot had to do with how shorthanded they were, but also if you were in the locker room, the players were angry. This was an angry 49ers locker room because they feel that they uh, did not bring the same energy level that they brought to New Orleans last week and letting the four-win Falcons beat them. It might be a sneaky loss. I mean, consider it this way. They still control their own destiny. If they win these next two games, they're right now the number five seed. They win the next two. They vault once again back to the number one seed. And, you know, this loss could serve as uh, sort of a the fire underneath them that sort of fuels them for this last push that they would need to beat the Rams on Saturday and then to beat the Seahawks, which we've all been kind of looking at for a long time as this looming game in Seattle. So uh, I don't know. I mean, if they had won today and lost in Seattle, it would have been the same same thing. They would have been number number five. So you could kind of see this coming. They played playoff atmosphere-like games against Green Bay, against Baltimore, and uh, certainly so against New Orleans last week. They were sort of due for a little bit of letdown. And the question was, would they be able to kind of scratch and claw their way through this game to get a W 
They did not. Yeah, and definitely they came out on both sides of the ball very flat. Offense in the first half was pretty much nothing. I don't think there was any third down conversions. There was no big plays. Unlike last week when you saw these explosive plays, you saw Kyle Shanahan with this creative offense with misdirections and the run game was not there the passing game was only George Kittle the entire football game and on defense you know defense is all about coverage and it's all about rush and and the 49ers had neither of them so it was hard you know you watch a guy like Julio Jones and if you're a football fan and you want to know what a number one receiver is that was a number one receiver in Julio Jones today. And that's what a, a receiver should do and then the 49ers just don't have that you have George Kittle but he's your tight end Julio is a guy that's going to make the catch. You know, with his size and his strength and his speed, he's going to dominate a secondary. George Kittle's a guy you can get the ball, and you're going to hope he's going to run somebody over. But he's also your blocker. So he's not your number one receiver. That was a number one receiver, I think. It's funny. Julio, 13 catches, 124 yards. George Kittle, 13 catches, 124 yards. Just that symmetry on the box score, but also there was asymmetry as far as what each did at crunch time. To your point, George Kittle had a chance to close the game. He fumbles or drops the ball, rolls on the ground. He's not able to get the first down. Julio Jones has a chance to close the game. He held on there at the goal line. So, I mean, obviously both of these guys are star players. They should both be all pros. Uh, Julio obviously already is an all pro. I think George Kittle is well on his way. But point taken, the Falcons had this slightly more dominant guy today, and that made the difference right down the stretch. Now, why don't we talk about – the 49ers defense I know Kittle had a chance to close the game but it was the defense that was on the field when the 49ers lost so that's I think the first culprit here because we had gotten so used to seeing that defense close the deal this year last two weeks it hasn't happened well that's what I wrote about I mean the 49ers ostensibly had the Falcons right where they wanted them the Falcons had to drive the length of the field they only had one timeout remaining they only had one real wide receiver in the game. Calvin Ridley is on IR now, so it was just Julio Jones. This is a defense that has just absolutely feasted in those situations all year long. you got a drop-back quarterback who can't move very well, yeah. even, even though I think he had over 25 rushing yards today, Matt Ryan did. Yeah. Uh, so this just should have been on paper a perfect spot for the 49ers to just kind of close the deal. At the end there, one sack would have won them the game, and they just could not come up with it. And D. Ford not being out there is a big deal, but these guys just didn't seem to have their A game. I thought Eric Armstead probably had the best game out of all of those guys. I thought he played really well. The other guys were, were only okay, or, or they weren't as good as they usually are. This was not a bad defensive performance by the 49ers today. I mean, I think they gave up 290 yards. That's That's usually a very good barometer but they weren't themselves they weren't their their normal dominating number one ranked defense they they were their 2018 self that they were pretty good in the yardage categories last year but they didn't have the finisher injuries had a big part in this you know Jaquasi Tart not being out there Richard Sherman not being out of young linebackers being out there Kwan Williams not being out there so you talk about all the injuries that the 49ers have and you wonder when it was going to kind of break and I think today you kind of saw it. You had a secondary that felt like to me watching them, they weren't communicating very well. Yeah. They weren't able to get over and get that help to Julio Jones or get that coverage right. So I think Traquasi was really missed last week and this week. Yeah, and I agree I mean, with you. And moving forward, I mean, I don't know who comes back, but if D Ford comes back, that helps out so much because the pass rush really wasn't there today. 
and they had a, a very underachieving offensive line they're going against, and you didn't see much pressure. And the one thing I said before this game started is you got to get after Matt Ryan, and he felt pretty comfortable in the pocket yeah. today. I mean, he was just throwing and pitching. And even when he wasn't comfortable, he found back doors. He was able to escape a lot of that. He had more rushing yard today than I've ever seen from Matt Ryan. He's not a great runner. But he was scrambling around today. And, and to your point, I don't think that D Ford is going to be back for this coming game. I think that Richard Sherman probably isn't going to be back. They could get K1 Williams back. They could get Tart back, which I agree with you is going to be a big deal. And they might get Julian Taylor back for this game as well. So needed reinforcements, I think, for this last two-game push that would really, as we've been talking about, make a huge difference if they were able yeah. to eke these games out. Every single level of the defense has suffered significant attrition at this point. When we talk about the pass rush, the defensive line is not the same unit that it was at the start of the year. That last pass rush on the Julio Jones touchdown to win the game, you had Bosa on one edge and Solomon Thomas on the other edge. It was rewind back to 2017 when the 49ers couldn't figure out what to do on one of the edges, right? And they'd rather have Solomon Thomas rushing and not game on the line situations from the inside. They want to have D Ford on that spot. So Bosa said, I didn't have a good game either. So you weren't getting the edge rush. You don't have Ronald Blair. You don't have the guys that reinforce that line. So they're more tired as the game goes along. You don't have a Quan Alexander who might patrol the middle of the field in that zone defense a little bit better. And then three-fifths of your starting secondary are gone against one of the best wideouts of this generation in Julio Jones. And he just out-muscled all those guys. You have Emmanuel Mosley, 5'11", 190. What's he supposed to do against 6'3", 220 Julio? That's where you really need a 6'3", right. Sherman, right? I mean, you need a physical. Yeah, a physical Someone's corner. Be physical. Yeah. What I saw today was Julio was never rerouted. Richard Sherman, he gets those holding penalties, but he's going to retract. I mean, he's, he's going to redirect some re- – I mean, receivers aren't just coming off the ball and, you know, running that out cut or running across the football field. So the matchup, it just didn't match up for the 49ers because of Julio's size and strength and also his speed. So it was just a bad matchup, especially with the secondary being so young. Yeah, that we talk about symmetry. That's the, the relationship between the pass rush and the secondary that's been so beautiful for this team all year, and, and neither of those were, were working today, and, and one affected the other. If you give Julio Jones space, He's going to eat you alive, and that's exactly what happened. They were moving him all around the field. He mostly was matched up against Emmanuel Mosley. They obviously saw that as something that they could take advantage of. But they also had him in the slot quite a bit. and Against Reed, uh, DJ Reed. Uh, against yeah. DJ Reed. He didn't have very many matchups with Akella Witherspoon, probably because of what Dennis was just saying. I mean, a Witherspoon is big, bigger. He's not as physical, not nearly as physical as Richard Sherman is, but the Falcons obviously saw an opening with the smaller Emmanuel Mosley, and they, they took advantage. I think you just have to give Atlanta credit. I think given the state of the Atlanta offense and the 49ers defense today, Atlanta had the talent advantage at that crucial matchup. The 49ers didn't have an answer for Julio Jones in the secondary. The answer would have had to come from the pass rush. The pass rush was going to have to bail the secondary out or, you know, create a situation in which they didn't have to cover him for so long. And that's what we're used to. Yeah, that's earlier in the season. That's what it was. Remember that? It was like third and five or more. You know, know it's it's going to be a big play. But you didn't see it today. You saw Matt Ryan. Seven of 13 on third down. Wow. Yeah. That's so different from what this pass rush was about. Right. You know, Nick Bosa is still out there. Eric Armstead is still out there. And DeForest Buckner is still yeah. out there. So you're not getting doubled all the way down the line of scrimmage. I saw a couple of times two guys were double teamed. You had two guys that were that were one-on-one. You just got to win. They uh, didn't set the traps right today. I mean, there were times that they had great pass rush presence on him, but the middle of it just uh, opened up and uh, there was nobody there to, to stop him. So yeah. uh 
it wasn't a well-laid plan that they usually have. But on a positive note, Sheldon Day played well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he had some good rushes. That's a good-looking sack. Yeah, yeah, his first sack of, yeah. of the year, yeah. So, I mean, his team is still 11-3. and three, So, you know, we're, we're going to nitpick on all this stuff, but they had some good positive stuff happen today. You see young guys like a Sheldon Day kind of show up, have an opportunity to go out there and do some things, get a sack and do some stuff like that. So well, that's positive. Before we get to the offense, maybe we should – zoom out and put this in actual perspective because this is a very tricky game to put into perspective if things break the way they probably are going to break this game may not end up mattering at all no. but we can't say that for sure right now because here's the thing seattle's 11 and 3 too now if seattle ends up losing next week okay. this will have been a huge blown opportunity for the 49ers assuming they also beat the rams because if Kyler Murray goes into Seattle next Sunday, beats the Seahawks and the 49ers, you know, beat the Rams, and had they beaten the Falcons too, Week 17 would have been a bye for the 49ers. So that's a, no longer a, a rare double bye. Yeah, they would get right. the rare double bye. So you could throw that out the window. So the 49ers would probably feel a lot better, assuming they beat the Rams next week, if Seattle also uh, takes care of business. Otherwise, they'll really be kicking themselves for this Atlanta loss. As it stands right now, week 17, there's no way around it. It's going to be huge for the 49ers. We'll still have to see what happens to determine exactly what the stakes will be, but it will very, very likely be for both the division and the number one seed. We're not 100% sure because if the 49ers lose to the Rams and the Saints are still in there, they may lock up the number one seed because they beat the Seahawks. And that's all confusing, so we'll write that down next week. But as of now, this made Week 17 a guaranteed very important yeah, and, game. And, you know, coaches never want to let players know all that stuff. Coaches always want to say it's the next game. you got to beat the Rams and you got to go to yeah. Seattle because all the rest of that stuff, you get kind of lost in it. The only thing the 49ers need to worry about is a division game coming up against the Rams and you're playing against another pocket quarterback that can hurt you if he gets outside the pocket and you got a good running back in Gurley. That's the only thing this team needs to worry about right now. It probably also means that that game in Seattle has now been pushed to primetime or will be shortly because uh, there'll be something huge at stake. And I think the rule is uh, most weeks you have to give uh, 12 days notice for that game to move. But for the final week, it's only six. So that can still happen in this coming week. So now let's focus on the 49ers offense now that we've got all those weird scenarios cleared up. And I'll come prepared to our midweek podcast this week with a lot of the different scenarios for this weekend, because that's going to take a few days to sort out. We may be talking fifth or sixth tiebreaker kind of stuff if the 49ers happen to lose to the Rams and the Seahawks win. And there's a chance that the 49ers can still win the division even if they lose to the Rams. There's a small chance this next game is totally meaningless, but that's neither here nor there right now. We'll worry about that later. As Dennis said, we'll treat this like the coaches and the football players. They need to worry about winning one week at a time. And for that to happen against the Rams, 49ers are going to have to play some better offense. I thought we really saw that the 49ers were starting a new center. I thought that there was interior pressure from Grady Jarrett, who's obviously a very good player for the Falcons. But also, this is something we'll dig into during the week. A lot of those snaps, it seemed that they're a little slow. There might have been some suspect timing there. The 49ers offense did not look like it was in rhythm. And I guess that's to be understood. It's going to take a while for Ben Garland, I think, to fully integrate himself into such a crucial position and get into that flow but today the flow for the 49ers wasn't there and whether it's the center's fault or combination of other things 
that's something the 49ers need to address here as they hit the final two games. Yeah, and, and Grady Jarrett had a fantastic game. This is a guy who had three sacks in the, in, in the Super Bowl a couple of years back, I think. So he's a good player. He kind of shut down that middle, and I think that affected the run a lot. He was able to get so much penetration. He was able to shoot the gaps so fast and get in the backfield and, and make plays. I think he kind of threw off the running game, and the 49ers kind of went away from the running game because of his penetration in the backfield. So Ben Garland, you know, he, he's going to be the guy for at least the next two games, and he, he's got to get better. The whole offensive line has to get better. Yeah, Grady Jarrett was the Julio Jones of their defense. They were moving him uh, all around that line as well, and it wasn't just Ben Garland he was beating. He was beating all three of those interior guys, and, and for a while there it was this game just kind of went down to individuals. It was Julio Jones and, and Grady Jarrett on the Falcons versus Eric Armstead and George Kittle on the 49ers, and uh, David's right. It just came down to uh, a couple of, of, of inches at the end that sort of decided it. It was Kittle's fumble out of bounds, versus the uh, very narrowest of touchdowns for Julio Jones. Running game was still there for the 49ers today. They were over five yards of carry for a while, then it finished 27 for 120, 4.4 rush. So I know uh, Tevin Coleman had that big run, but it felt like Raheem Mostert had most of the positive yards. I mean, Matt Breida came in and, you know, he had that fumble. I don't know if his ankle's back to where he's up to par yet, but it felt like Mostert again came out and ran well. Yeah, he uh, Brita had two straight fumbles. He fumbled on the sideline, and luckily the ball went out of bounds on it. But on the very next play, he got bent over backwards awkwardly again and, and again lost the ball. It was uh, two of those plays in a row for him. I'm a little bit surprised by Raheem Mostert, 3.9 yards per carry. It felt like he was doing better than that yeah, in that did. game, uh, but uh, that's what uh, it came out as. Well, I think a couple of those losses hurt him. They got him behind the backfield there. Oh, Grady Jarrett. He's, yeah, he's Grady struck, Jarrett He struck again, yeah. And those derailed some 49ers drive as well, if I remember correctly. They were not able to stay on schedule. That obviously well, th- There hurt. was a lot of plays that it was, you know, especially in the first half, 49ers were three and out. And you look at last week, it felt like Jimmy Garoppolo didn't feel comfortable in the pocket. I yeah. mean, he was being harassed the entire game, but it, it didn't feel like last week he felt comfortable. You know, today it was like, you know, he was looking and he, and first, you know, his first look was George Kittle. You know, yeah. it was like, get it there. You know, that's my, 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 my safety blanket. Get it to him and let him make a play down the field. Well, he, Kittle had 17 targets, and the next highest on the team was Emmanuel Sanders with four. They didn't do I, I think it anything. was 17 targets for Kittle, 16 targets for everyone else on the team. Yes, <laughs> and I thought there was pretty good reason for that, though, because it, as we were talking about, the pass protection wasn't good from the interior to the exterior. I remember... Joe Staley got beaten for a sack on the very first or second possession. That was Vic Beasley. They just ran right by him. Like you said, the pocket never fully enveloped Garoppolo to give him that comfortable throwing lane. And the pass protection was really good against the Saints. That's how they put up 48 points. Today it wasn't. And, you know, the old Kyle Shanahan stat came in. He said entering this game, the Atlanta Falcons in their four wins had 18 sacks, and they only had four sacks in their – nine losses well today they were getting after Garoppolo they only had one total sack but when the pressure numbers come out tomorrow from pro football focus they're going to be I think extremely impressive and the most impressive part is they dictated the 49ers game plan they just had to go to Kittle and a lot of times on short passes that open the downfield open passing game to wide receivers wasn't there today and it makes you think just being familiar with Kyle Shanahan Dan Quinn 
being a yeah. defensive guy and then kind of understanding the Kyle Shanahan mentality or game plan. I mean, you got to say that, you know, whatever Dan Quinn did, whatever they practiced, they had a perfect game plan against his offense with the rush, uh, the blitzes, you know, the, the way they played Kyle Shanahan today. I think it has to be part of being just familiar kind of how he thinks. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Process. I mean, this was going to be a chess match uh, from the get-go, and, and Shanahan usually wins these chess matches. He beat Sean Payton last week at his own game in his own building. But I think we're also figuring out or seeing why Kyle Shanahan wants Robert Sala as his defensive coordinator, wants that type of defense because he knows that – the type of defense that Dan Quinn runs, which is, you know, that Seattle Seahawks defense is a good defense, and it's been effective against him all these years, and we saw it. But I do agree with Dennis. I think that Quinn switched some things up for this game that caught Shanahan and his lieutenants off guard, and that that doesn't happen very often. That, and I think because we had so much crossover between players and staff, the familiarity made, especially early on before the game opened up a little bit with the adjustments, it made every yard one that you had a fight to the death for. And I point to the 49ers' first touchdown drive as a great example. How often do you see a 21-play, 83-yard touchdown? One time in the last 20 years have you seen a 21-play touchdown drive in the NFL. The Jets had one or something like that. It's the first first time in the last 40 years that the 49ers have had one. So that's the epitome of this cover three defense. And both of these teams right. play the same one. It will give up some of that underneath stuff, and you could chip away, chip away, chip away. But it's gambling on making an explosive defensive play, either from the edge rusher or from the offense getting too greedy and forcing a sack or a turnover. So the way that you beat it is this death by a thousand paper cuts, although it's when you play it soundly, it's hard to go the entire field. The 49ers were able to do that on this 21-play, 83-yard drive that I thought was a very fitting symbol of how – familiar these two teams were with each other because of the coaching crossover there but you can't make your living off of 21 play 83 yard drives because as Matt just pointed out they happen once every 20 years yeah. right yeah. and they so, also no. got a, yeah, <laughs> that was it they also got a roughing the passer call which aided them greatly it helps a lot yeah, yeah. so, so yeah. that yeah, it just goes to show you got to have you got to score with those chunks and for a while the Niners were at like 3.1 yards per play you know even yeah. after the touchdown drive and right. you, you talk right. about explosive plays i can remember i think it was maybe the third quarter could have been the fourth quarter when Fred Warner could have had that pick yeah and you know you talk about that give 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 and then have a big play on defense that was an opportunity miss right there with him and DJ Reed. They just kind of yeah. ran into each other, right? Uh, it was it was boom. That could have been a momentum changer right there. I mean, yeah, Fred it, was like, it was like a Kellos in, on the uh, final drive last week in, in New Orleans. He had one bounce off of his hands as well. This is uh, only the second time this year that the 49ers didn't have a defensive takeaway. The special teams made it up for them, but uh, it just kind of shows you where they were today. They just did not have their usual zest. I thought that play was going to seal the game. You had Ross Dwelly strip the punt returner. Sure, of course. Juszczyk picks it up. Even though Juszczyk doesn't score, Kyle Shanahan makes sure that he gets his touchdown. First he runs it to him, then he throws it to him. In the same corner, he would have scored (laughs) anyway. And and then Robbie Gold missed the extra point. Uh, Remember? That uh, that was the turn. Robbie's Robbie's had a weird, weird season. It's been weird. But weren't they up 20 to 10 at that point? 19 because oh, he, he missed, missed the extra point. He missed the extra point. Yeah, right. and, and so two scores, and I thought the game, I thought the momentum had changed. I thought the game was, was a done deal there. But, you know, to think that last drive that Atlanta has to go, what, 70 yards? And I'm yeah. thinking to myself, they this defense. got to score a touchdown. Yeah, I'm thinking this, this defense will never give up 70 yards. Yeah. 
You There's know. no threat of a run anymore. They're just coming after it's us. I just, it's not I just the saw same it. defense without yeah. all those guys. Yeah. That's yeah. the thing. That's, I mean, it's finally caught up, I think, to the 49ers, some of these injuries. And you see how important, you know, defense is defense, but players make plays. And it's important to have these certain players on the field at these critical times. Yeah, just to wrap up and on that note, think of the guys they were missing just in the secondary and the years they were having, Sherman was at the top of the NFL cornerback rankings. Kwan Williams was at the very top of the NFL slot corner rankings. And I saw some advanced stats, too, that said Jaquaski Tart was a top five safety in coverage this year. So you're not just losing three DBs. They lost three stars, right? Yeah, I think we're finding out game. how valuable Jaquaski Tart is. Yeah. He yeah. hasn't gotten a lot of praise, uh, acclaim this year. But uh, well, Richard, they, Richard they, Sherman, they, he said Jaquaski Tart. Jaquaski Tart. Jaquaski Tart, you know, because I feel like he's not getting enough ne- love because they just don't know how to say his name. So I'm just helping everybody out. Jaquaski Tart. Tart. Jaquaski Tart. Yeah, he said he was playing at an all-pro <laughs> level. He, did hey, he was right. He was yeah. right. I think it's the communication. I mean, he's such a great communicator, you know, getting everybody kind of organized in that secondary, yeah. making the right calls. He was missed, like I said, last week and definitely this week. Yeah, and then Sherman would have been the ideal guy to cover Julio Jones today, and and not having him there was immense. Yeah, you couldn't gamble to physically disrupt him with guys who are 30 pounds lighter. They did. They tried everything, I thought, today against Julio Jones, and and he dominated them. 13 catches, 124. I think they were just a little short talent-wise today, and you got to tip your cap to Atlanta for being better on offense. That's how it is. I I think of Jimmy Ward on that P.I. in the end zone, and him trying to cover Julio. I mean – He's just underneath them, just trying to. That's a great example. Flailing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Julio's. <laughs> you know, it's just, just being big and physical like that. And you, you see a DB, little man lining up next to you. Sure, that was the game plan. They executed it well. You know, the 49ers came up on the shoulder in the stick. DJ Reed said that Julio is a huge guy that runs like a small guy, and that's uh-huh. the paradox that you face. They yeah, line why, that guy up in the slot, what are you going to do? Yeah, that's why receivers like that are so rare. I mean, yeah. you, you find one like that, you trade up to the front of the draft to get him. And, and you build a, your team around and that. And that's exactly what <laughs> yeah. the Falcons have done. They got julio today, so. He's got to be tired, too. He yeah. Put it, he put in a full <laughs> yeah, day's Yeah, he's a 30-year-old man. Yeah, he was uh, Arthur Blank was there embracing him after the game. Falcons owner, that he you could tell he he had yeah. poured a lot out on that field. So good win for the Falcons. They've won what four out of their last six. Playing good. Yeah, playing yeah, I well. If Dan Quinn is saving his job here. There I were think, little, I think he saved it today. Loud cheers from the coaching box. You know, if Dan Quinn saves his job, so does the Falcons staff. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So <laughs> I think they think uh, this there's a whole a lot of wives at home too. Going nuts. Yeah, and kids in their schools. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> cool. Well, uh, the Niners have to come back next week against the Rams. It's going to be Saturday here at Levi Stadium. We'll have another podcast for you before that game, or we'll talk about all the crazy playoff scenarios and tiebreakers and everything to get you ready for the Rams, who have now been eliminated from the postseason after they lost to the Cowboys. So maybe – who knows what will happen in that one? I wonder if the Rams are going to try to play spoiler, if they're going to lay down. But we'll, oh no, they're going to we'll show see up next week. You think they're going to show I up? I think they're going to show up. Yeah. Well, it's it, a divisional game still. Yeah. And you got the Cow Shanahan and McVay. I think you know, it's going to be another good game. I think. Well, the 49ers are going to get to play that Seattle game on extra rest. I just realized since they play next Saturday, right? Seattle right. play till Sunday, so that yeah. might be a slight advantage. But we'll talk all about it this week. 49ers lose this one, 29-22. At home against the Falcons for Dennis Brown and Matt Barrows. This is David Lombardi. Talk to you guys next time on the Here's the Catch podcast.